Welcome to the club. This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. That's what you're going to need to get ahead as a songwriter, to get ahead as an artist, a singer. You're going to need leverage. You're going to need proof that you've done it already. This business no longer develops the diamond in the rough where you get the big bucks that comes in and they all bet on your future. They want to see that you've already got something going on so they can pour some gasoline on it and make it bigger. That's why we called it the climb. C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. Brilliant. That's a Baxter name that was put forth by my good friend and co-host and saint, Mr. Brent Baxter. He's <laughs> <laughs> an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. He helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you can write like a pro, do business like a pro. And not only that, he actually, on a regular, connects you with the pro so you can get a shot, get some feedback, and climb up that ladder. You can find Brent super easy at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists such as Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herden, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That's production, singular, no S, and there's no S because there is no other Johnny D. Hey, buddy. What's going on? Man, I'm just excited to talk to special somebody very special today, and it ain't you. <laughs> no, but we are going to talk about like one of my favorite subjects of all time, girls. that's right women women yeah girls when i was younger women when i got older there you go (laughs) we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about females okay you started off really creepy we better use that really fast (laughs) oh they know better our climbers know better (laughs) Um, but listen before we get into that here we yeah we got a special guest that uh, specializes in female artist development and so we're going to talk about a lot of the different sort of potholes where the bodies are buried on that road and try to get some female artists out there, get their head on straight, give them some good advice moving forward and some things to watch out for. But That's before right. we do that, let's take care of a little business here. It's a digital world and it's hugely important for, uh, for physical media, for today's independent musician to get, to get by, to create that revenue stream. Digital royalty payments are so small still that selling products like CD, vinyl, T-shirts, et cetera, at gigs has not only become an important income generator, which sounds like a really good way to say that, but really it's like, how are you going to eat and get to the next town? Sell that T-shirt, sell that vinyl. (laughs) That's right. For every CD you sell at a show, it takes about 3,000 streams on a streaming platform to equal that same amount of money. So 3,000 streams in one hand, one CD in the other, it's about the same amount of money. And that money from that CD goes right in your pocket right then to help you get to that next town. So it's a whole lot of streams. We love streams. But man, you're leaving money on the table when you don't have merch on the table. Thankfully, our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for merch, discs, and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. You can find them online at discmakers.com. That is D-I-S-C, makers.com. Or give them a call at 800-468-9353. That's 800-468-9353. Yes, and if you haven't joined the Climb community, please do so. Brett and I are super proud of this. It's our Facebook group. You have to ask 
to be let in. We let everybody, you know, just be good boys and girls and you won't be roadhoused out. It's a structured community. We've got plenty of places for you to play your music, to connect with other songwriters, to ask questions about marketing or whatever issues you've got going on with your songwriter slash artist career at the moment. Just uh, make sure you put them in the right places. And believe it or not, going to get tons of help from everybody else in there probably before Brent and I get in there. So (laughs) that's right. We're really, you know, just proud of how it's taken on a life of its own. So anything happening in there right now, Brent? Yeah. Just looking at it. We every Wednesday we post the new hype post and you can, if you have a music related win, you can post as a comment under there. So everybody's celebrating everybody. And so, man, we had a good one right now going on a couple things. David Woods finally got a song ready to send out for mixing and mastering. He said it's been over a year. So man, he's been, he's been, grinding away at it so he's ready so that's that's i know uh, how that feels congratulations brother yeah and our buddy ronnie glenn he said my big music win for today i hit the email button or the send button for a pitch opportunity first time this year so he's excited about that and so all levels of stuff people getting asked you know like hey i got approached by a hit songwriter paul demarco that happened michael saletta he's had let's see his song made the tin pan south songwriting seminar final 24 list nice. so it's you know another thing for him so we got people in there celebrating wins people climb. love people it love climb. it love it so make yes. sure you join hit the subscribe button wherever you consume podcasts so you get all the episodes in order and you can consume them as your little heart desires so to speak. i mean leisure not peril no leisure leisure is much better word never mind <laughs> Take 30 seconds, leave a rating and review. We're trying to get to 200 here as quick as we can. And then finally, the best thing you can do for us to honor Brent and I is to tell a friend about it. If this matters, if this works for you, if you're getting value out of this, if we're hitting you in the fields, if we're making you rethink some stuff and it's starting to make sense, then by all means, please tell a friend, tell a band member, tell another songwriter, tell, turn them on to it. Because if you say it, it's 100% true. If we say it, it's 50% true, right? Mm-hmm, that's right. And we have a new review of the Ooh. podcast today. So right. I think we're doing these in order. The last one we did was from Still Married. So let's look at this one is from Liberty v. Justice. I guess Liberty versus Justice. Boy, that's a whole conversation uh-huh. right there. It says, podcast for musicians on the climb. It's a tasty five-star review. It says, creating leverage in the music business. Brilliant name. I like this person already. John, uh, Brent and Johnny give uh, you real advice for succeeding in the music business and resources to make a bigger impact, influence, and income with your music. Not to mention the, con- uh, the contest to send your music in and be critiqued. Best of all, it's fun and free. Brent and John, you are a godsend. Listen and learn. You're worth it. Liberty v. Justice CEO of I'm Worth It, Inc. So thank you so much, Liberty v. Justice. Well, she sounds like a whole lot of positive energy. I That's love that. awesome. So, and actually, yeah, she'd reach out to me on Instagram. Was like, I can't find the Climb Podcast on Instagram. What do I post? Because I love you guys, and so I gave gave her your uh, your Instagram handle and and mine and stuff. So, anyway, there you go. All looking, right, looking to you know share some positive vibes. So we appreciate. Let's get on. Let's get on to the women. Can we get on the women now? All right. It's yes. still that just so wrong. <laughs> The whole thing. I'm here to help women. Just because lead singer hair band doesn't mean it was all debauchery or it is now. Like things have changed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, listen, today we are excited to have Lindsay Kirkendall on our podcast. Lindsay, how are you doing today? I'm awesome. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. How did we meet Lindsay? Was it, was it, it was through, through. I think we share an attorney. Yes. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Through Jeremy. That's right. 
and become a climber, which is exciting. And mm -hmm. tell us the name of your company and just, just for the climbers out there, kind of break down maybe what you do right now and maybe a little bit of your backstory, how you kind of got to, to this niche, which is yeah, important. Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting, it's been an interesting journey. I've been in Nashville now for almost 15 years, which is crazy. I swear I'm not old enough to have lived anywhere for 15 years in my adult life, but it's true. <laughs> We all agree. We all agree. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. I know you feel me on that. Originally from Southern California. So I moved here kind of with this wide open, hey, I love business and performing both. And I knew I just wanted to work in the entertainment industry and got married really young. And so when once you get married, as you guys are very well aware, like there's this light switch that turns on that you're like, oh, God, now I have to make money. You know, whereas when yeah. you're single and be an adult, it's like yeah. not, yeah, you have to adult really hard. And it was a lot easier to just go get a job than it was to try to figure out the artist thing. Because at that time we were right before the crash of 08 mm -hmm. and the industry was really getting wobbly and no one really knew what, how to best encourage or give advice to an artist on how to build a career in that particular era. So it was much easier for me to just go get a job. And my first corporate job in the music industry came at a music magazine. And it was interesting because it was about 2010. So it was after the crash of 08. Mm -hmm. And the industry was really, you know, struggling to figure out how they were going to continue making money. Being at a magazine was made even more interesting because this magazine had gone digital a few years prior, couldn't afford to keep it in print. And they had lost tons and tons of cash from the labels that were typically buying ads. So they brought me on to sell ad space to independent artists as a way of making up the revenue they were losing from the label ad buys. And okay. it put me, right? Right, exactly. Brilliant, right? Brilliant plan. It put me in a really ethical dilemma because I'm looking at this open rates in this magazine and no one's reading it. Mm -hmm. And even though it was a huge publication that had been around for 25 years, like it wasn't working digitally and they didn't know what to do. And I couldn't, I had these artists landing on my desk wanting to spend money with me. And I was going, I can't take your last $600 and put you in an ad in a magazine that no one's going to see. I just felt terrible about doing that. And I also thought, okay, this makes no sense. If, if an artist has landed on my desk thinking that spending this kind of money is actually going to move the needle, like somewhere there's an education gap. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. If someone's thinking I can solve <laughs> I their like, problems, they obviously have a gap in their information. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and so what I ended up doing is I ended up going around town and interviewing all of my industry contacts and really developing an educational resource that was a sub-brand of the magazine that was focused just around independent artists. And what I learned through the course of that process, because this was a company that also had multiple other publications and had digital imprints for all of them. Mm -hmm. And I was seeing what was possible when you're able to build a digital audience around a central theme. And so not only was I observing what they were doing in their other publications, but I was hands-on in the building of an independent artist audience that we were then able to sell advertising space for people that wanted to get in front of the independent artist audience. Mm -hmm. And that was a really profound moment for me in my journey because it kind of crystallized this idea that, you know, you'd heard a lot of rumbling about, you know, label deals and the 360 thing was really prominent and it was becoming more normal 
And people were starting to realize that deals didn't mean anything the way they did in years past. And then there was all this like amazing stuff happening in the digital world. And I was even seeing other friends in different industries building massively successful, lucrative businesses in like 24 to 36 months. And the interesting thing was, is that they were not all in the same industry. So I'm looking at what's happening at my job. I'm looking at what's happening with friends and I'm going, there's simple principles of online entrepreneurship that people are applying to build a business in the digital space, regardless of industry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hot damn, like this, this mm. artist can do this too. There's no reason why an artist can't build an audience and monetize them the same way anybody else who's trying to sell any other product or service is doing. Amen. And it got me really excited, you know? No wonder you and, and Johnny so are friends that now. Was kind of, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. We hit it off real fast. <laughs> well, we, you know, Jeremy. I think uh, you lovingly referred to me as um, being from the same mothership. I think, oh, that's when we yeah, met. that's the term. Totally, that is yeah, the term, yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I trust her because she can cuss like a sailor too, which we don't do in this podcast. But like, <laughs> Thank that's you when for I know because I wasn't sure. That's when I know we can't. Hate. That was for you, Lindsay. That was for you in the, in, in the coolest <laughs> manner I could think up. <laughs> So we got like, so Jeremy, you know, had us meet, we had a meeting. This was a while ago. I think we might've still been at the other building and, you know, great conversation, great meeting. And then you reached out again, like recently, I think after listening to one of the podcasts and you're like, man, you just hit me right in the feels. (laughs) So we got together just to to preach, right? To share the gospel of, mm-hmm. of what we all believe here about <laughs> as far as the gospel of indie artists. And from that conversation was really where we're like, man, we should talk about this on the podcast. I think. We had an artist recently that we were working with, a female artist, very talented, has a backer, is, you know, adorable. She's an adorable, like, you know, super hot blonde. And there's something, mm-hmm. uh, all my female artists across the board at every single age, which is and I've worked with plenty of kids, so this is really kind of gross. They all have creepers, to, without a doubt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But for whatever true. reason, the blondes have, like, more creepers for some reason. That's been my experience. People so you're blonde. a blonde. Is that, is that mm-hmm. accurate? People like blondes. They, I don't get it. I don't or know they what just it get is. more freaked out about it. They just get more, like, delusional around it or something. And, and <laughs> it's strange. But so this... This artist that we that we worked with has for a long time has taken ownership of her social media and done, a, mm-hmm. a, you know, the numbers are good. Okay, they're they're high, I think like forty thousand Instagram followers, and I mean for a completely independent artist, this is really good. I think she understands her brand. She, she's more in the game than most indie artists that we work with, as far as down that rabbit hole of understanding the digital platform. Problem was, yeah. is that they're all creeper guys these old creeper guys Mm -hmm. and so one of the charges that we had as a company it was to get more female followers for her and yeah can we create that and did we create that traffic to her platform with digital marketing everything absolutely we did we can target just females that are into the kind of music that she's doing and and all that kind of thing. However, one of the conversations we had to have was it's not worth it to pay f- for traffic to go there for them to be introduced to you to so that you can get into the, con- the awareness of these consumers if you're not going to have content up there that 
is going to be in some way, and there's not, it's not black and white, but in some way it has to be relevant. Relevant to them. Yeah, relevant. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Right. That adds value to their lives. Yeah. And so you can imagine, for the most part, every post that she has, she's in a hot outfit, looking like a little sex kitten, and and she's mm-hmm. marketable. That's a good thing. But it's it's like too much of a good thing is not a good thing. You can't just eat salad and carrots <laughs> all day long. You know, you've got to have a balanced well, diet. Well, I think it's an interesting, I agree. And I think it's interesting to say she's marketable too, because what is marketable? I think it depends on what audience you're marketing to. And, I, mm-hmm. and not that you were saying this, but I think that a lot of us just kind of clump the idea of like, oh, she looks like a sex kitten. Therefore, she is marketable. But that's that's not, good point. I, don't, I wouldn't I mean, say she's, that that's I, I, I'll reframe that. True. It, it's she's she's visually marketable. Let's say that. Like it's not. She's easy on the eyes, you know, and so that works. And that, but so yeah, that's a good point. And let's go down that road because yeah. because that's really going to attach what you just said to a lot of the meat of this conversation that's about to unfold here. Totally. The problem was, and I had to get ahead of this. I had to tell her, okay, look, we're going to have to put up some stuff that isn't you in a sexy outfit on white satin sheets you know we're gonna have to do (laughs) wow is that bad on some parts yeah and or you know or or a leopard print or something like that and I asked her I said what stuff do you look at I said you do you follow anybody Mm -hmm. that has a feed that looks like yours and she's like no she's like animals and I like this and that I'm like okay well then let's do some of that Mm -hmm. let's just Mm -hmm. pepper it in I'm not saying that we have to forsake the sexy pictures and these are just her like this is might be stage wear or something. This is not, I want to make this clear. She's not in lingerie or in, you know, bra and panties or anything. It's not that, but it's very much she's selling the sex appeal. That's what she's selling. And she's so much more than that, right? And so I'm like, let's try to build some more of that brand so that the that the females who come to visit will want to stay and, and there'll be something there for them. But what's going to happen initially because you've got all these creeper guys that make up the majority of your following, those initial posts that we do are going to understandably underperform. They're going to suck in terms of engagement because we have to build that up. Yeah, creepy old guy doesn't care that you like puppies. That's right. (laughs) That's That's not why he's there. (laughs) Unless there's a puppy with you (laughs) on the white sheets and a new leopard print jumper or something like that. Unless unless you're both wearing a collar. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. No. (laughs) Exactly. So, (laughs) so you know, I was kind of I'm explaining this the frustration to to Lindsay. I just wanted to set that up, and that's where this came from. And so, Lindsay, why don't you expand a little bit on some of the conversation that we had, and Brent and I'll jump in at will here and, and mow you down. <laughs> and mow me down. Well, and mow you over I on your we conversation. Were both from the same mothership. Um, okay. We are. We both love to talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean verbally. Okay. I'm getting, mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, one thing that I wanted to mention too, cause I, I mowed my own self down. You asked me to tell you what I did. And I didn't say that. So let me start there and then we can like move into that because I have worked in the corporate side and independently and have now for the last about 18 months focused specifically on working as a music business consultant and artist coach for female artists. And so obviously this is a topic that comes up often and it's why Johnny, you and I ended up in the conversation that we did because you were banging your head against the wall over this artist and this client. And it was like, yeah, this is something that I see all the ding dang time. 
Yeah. And part of the reason I went into focusing specifically with females is because men and women want different things. When they are approaching building a career as an artist, they want different things out of their career. Typically they might not be consciously aware of it, but they do women. If they want to do the family thing, that's usually something that's a little bit more like in their mind than it is for men. I remember being at a change the conversation event with a panel of women journalists and they'll say, yeah, you know, they'll ask Carrie Underwood, what's life like being a mom on the road, but they won't ask that to Luke Bryan. What's life like, you know, being a dad on the road. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's like very different approaches to the way women think as they approach their career and what they want out of their life as a whole, even in the world of music. What what the press thinks they want is just what you said too. Exactly. Exactly. And even in like the world of music marketing and with all of these service providers and, and resources that artists have available to them, it's all still, even the marketing, it's very masculine. There's not a lot of, you know, I mean, people, I'm trying to think of like a good example, maybe Reverb Nation is, is a good example. It's a little more masculine in its marketing, right? And if it had like corals or purples or pinks, it probably would not appeal to men as well as it does. Mm-hmm. And so it's just interesting if you kind of look at the just spectrum of how music services and resources are marketed, it's very masculine. So women, I think, and oh, you so know, somebody who Brent, came, hold on for a second. Have, let, me, let me interrupt. So somebody who came sure. up with, so big picture here, and I, I'm not taking this political, but I'm just talking about marketing. Yeah. Fox News was born from a very, very wealthy individual realizing there was a vacuum in the market and that mm-hmm. this certain sector of people who think a certain way and who want certain things and who require different things were not being serviced in the market. So he created Absolutely. Fox News, love it or hate it, but mm-hmm. it is there and it is thriving because there was a market that was not being serviced. Totally. What if, I mean, this just, as you're talking, popped into my head. I mean, if Reverb Nation had a Reverb Nation just for females, mm-hmm. it, the colors were different and the marketing was different and stuff like that. I wonder how mm-hmm. that would fly. Just, just. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to think about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. All of that to say, like, there's just a whole bevy of other things that women think through, want, and, and take into consideration as they're building a career that aren't necessarily true for men. One of the interesting things about what I do is just getting into the psychology. And I know you guys love this part too, because digital media is so psychological. You know, mm-hmm. marketing mm-hmm. effectively, it's all psychology. Mm-hmm. Yes. And women, because we're in this like very male-dominated industry, I think in a lot of ways we disconnect from what we really want out of our careers and we disconnect from who we really are because we think in order to play ball, we have to do the things that we've traditionally seen modeled. And in the traditional music industry, Britney Spears was not going to be marketable if she showed up as her Mickey Mouse ear wearing Southern kind of white trash, no offense, girl. Mm -hmm. She had to be the sex kitten. Mm -hmm. That was what was going to work. Yeah. So it's like you're either you're either going to have a voice like a Celine Dion or a Whitney Houston and be a voice because you're just a freak of nature talent or you're going to be a sex symbol. There wasn't a whole lot of in between, especially in like pop, mm-hmm. you know, maybe yeah. in other genres. It's not so much that way. 
And I think that's true for like mainstream country music too. So women just, that's what we've seen traditionally growing up. If we are young women that understand we want to sing and we want to do music and we want to perform and that's the career path we want to pursue. Well, what we've always seen in the traditional space is that in order to do that, you either have to be a freak of nature talent or you have to be really sexy. Mm -hmm. Right. And it can get really screwy because as women, we do like to be beautiful and we do like to play in that space, but it becomes really disconnected when you're doing it to contort into something that, as you said earlier, feels marketable. You can't stand on like, yeah. And so they're not really allowed to stand on the merit of their craft. They're having to be somebody that they may not otherwise have been, mm-hmm. or maybe an over-exaggerated version of themselves in order to fit into something that is profitable. And we still think that like, I'm still, and Johnny, I know that you would agree with this. Like we're still seeing artists today that have remnants of this old school, traditional thought process of like, this is how it must be done. And it's actually Mm -hmm. like, no, you don't have to do any of that anymore. (laughs) Well, I think, okay. So I think that's one of the good things that I want to unpack in this episode is that it, it, this, this is the female specific message that we are sending right now in this episode that is consonant with the message that we've been sending to all musicians and indie artists and songwriters since day one of this podcast, which is because listen, the smart man, the smart woman, when they're serious about their craft, they are going to begin to reverse engineer the stuff that's moved them or the stuff that they mm-hmm. like, yeah. the stuff that they think is cool. That's really freaking good for songwriting, right, Brent? I mean, yes reverse engineer that song, find out why that was a hit, find out why Mm -hmm. that made you feel the way it made you feel, and then figure out how to put it back together again and put your own spin on it. Yes. And for decades and decades and decades in the marketing side, that's how we've done it as artists. That's how I did it when I was an artist. But now that becomes a toxic road to drive down in the sense that or let's say a potentially toxic road, almost all toxic, but there's a, there's a couple of outside chances. We're generalizing here. Okay. But here's the thing, right? We don't have to do it like that anymore. You can write your own ticket. You can decide what it's going to be, but, and this is one of the points that I wanted to make. You have to be intentional about it. Yeah. So if you show up constantly with a sex kitten message whether you're doing it on purpose and, you know, tapping your fingertips together like Mr. Burns and you're like, excellent, let's, <laughs> yes. let's be the sex kitten. Or whether you're unaware that you're doing it and you just, you, you don't know, guess what? The damage is the same. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Yeah. You know, and, and so I kind of think of it like this. And so like people are like, well, there's just so much to think about. And no, no, no. You've got to think about everything and put it all together. And that's going to be the difference between the artist who gets to make a living and the artist who's going to sit in the corner and complain, male or female, about the industry. So I thought of you talking because this morning we were going to record this and you're like, well, I got to get my kiddos to work and or to to school. And I said, okay. (laughs) Got to get them to work, you know, making those tennis shoes for those celebrities. And we're talking to Lindsay from China. Her kids work for like at a, at a sweatshop. Yeah. And, yeah. No, but I thought about this. Like, it's like with your kids, right? If you have kids, you can't just make them look good and dress them up and keep them clean and not feed them. Oh, hell no. Right. And, right. and you can't yeah. do the other thing. You can't just feed them, make sure they're incredibly nourished try to feed their brains and everything and teach them, but not bathe them or clothe them. Like it, it has you to will be... get a note sent home from school. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. Cause I saw the movie, big daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Your son's uh, personal hygiene has become a cause for concern. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to think about it all, right? You have to think about the meat and the potatoes of what it is that makes you an artist. Where your lane is, Brent, is this ringing bells? I mean, how many times have we talked about Mm -hmm. this? What is your lane? It doesn't have to be, to your point, Lindsay, some freaking nature talent thing. There's there's a... Right, right. Mick Jagger ain't ever going to win American Mm -hmm. Idol. Right. But he's the biggest rock star on the planet. David Lee Roth, never going to win. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, these are my guys, my heroes. But the way the game was played, certainly... It's just undeniable. I mean, I, I remember falling in love with Hart back in the mm, early days. Yeah. And I love them. I still yeah. love them. I, I never fell out of love with Hart. But what happened in the 80s <laughs> with Anne, who is that freak of nature talent, mm-hmm. by the way? Yep. Who just, she figured out exactly why she's on this planet. And when she, did you see that, this Kennedy Center honors thing where she sang? I think it was like Stairway to Heaven or something. And just no, she, she oh, no. had Robert Plant in tears. In <laughs> tears. Like he wow. was bawling like a baby. I mean, she's so freaking unbelievably good. And she gained a bunch of weight. And all of a sudden, she's like in the background mm-hmm. of the music videos in the mm-hmm. 80s. You know? I, yeah. I remember yeah. like watching uh, Behind the Music, you know, back on VH1, back when I was in college and that we would get just behind the music directly into our veins, you know, because that's all we watched. And it was, it was like the crazy over you or one of those videos probably from the eighties 
uh, for Hart. And then you had the blonde who was like the skinny, pretty one. Like they were working in this factory and she was being poured yeah. in this gold mold and she comes out and she's like, I'm gold and I'm sexy. And then Anne is the one like with a welder's mask on. <laughs> like, oh. yeah. She was like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It, it, that, that's a real well, video. That it really is, happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it really did. And here's the interesting thing is we feel like we've come a, a long way in terms of like being body positive and all of those things. And, and we have, we've made some great strides for women, but at the same time, if you think about it, there's still some funky things happening because the, the way that the traditional space works is that they're still filling roles. It's kind of like on sitcoms where they'd have the token black guy. Like right now they Lizzo's hot and yep. that's cover rolling stone. Just got awesome. the cover rolling stone. Right. And people are loving it. And they're like applauding this beautiful African-American woman as they should be. But there's not going to be two Lizzo's out at the same time because she's filling a role in what the traditional narrative feels like it needs to be. That's a really good point. Several, like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they, back in I the 80s, how, how many long haired rockers, guys were there that looked like me that were making money? Both right. ones of them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's a really interesting point. Exactly. <laughs> but there was only one Michael Jackson yep. in the 80s. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, so like we've come a long way. But that, and that's why I'm so passionate about the digital space is because there is not, I, I jokingly refer to it as a D-bag filter, because it doesn't really matter who you are or what your size is or what your color is. People want to connect to authentic people with authentic stories. And mm. that are creating art from an authentic place. That, and they're they compelling. For whatever reason, they're yes. compelling. Mm-hmm. You know, and they'll listen to three Lizzo's if all of those different Lizzo characters add value to the life of that particular listener or audience member or fan. Yeah. It's kind of like the Wizard of Oz that's pulling the strings behind how the traditional music industry presents their mainstream artists. Yeah, and, and the curtain's been pulled back. The curtain's been, been pulled, pulled back, back. And, and we get to we get to pull the strings as long as we're aware that we get to pull the strings. And as long as we accept exactly. that, guess what? You get to pull the strings, but you got to go pull them. You got to mm-hmm. choose. Exactly. Do it. And, and, and I think, yeah. man, I think, cause we were talking about this too, like right before the podcast started, but there's this great, I can't remember his name right now. So how good is he? But he's this great <laughs> marketer. I, I, <laughs> um, I, but I've just been, I've been like totally consuming his content on LinkedIn. He's a, he's a marketer guy. He's a branding guy. And mm-hmm. he was talking about. Is he in the music space? No, he's just, it's all business okay. for him. Yeah. So I don't know if he has artists in the music space or not. It's just about like branding. How do you get your brand? How do you get more clear on your brand? He's got several different conversations where, and I like the approach and the way that he's offering up content and the way he's explaining things. Hey, if, if you want to talk about this, DM me and, and we'll have a conversation kind of a thing. But yeah. here's the one that hit me. And, and this I thought was germane to the conversation we're having today. One of the ads he had, he said, think back to Nancy Reagan's just say no to drugs campaign. And he goes, the copy on that, right? The words that they use, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Three words, just say no. He goes, the copy by itself is incredible, but he goes, go look at the ads. And he runs in his, ad he's showing you clips of the different ads and here's a picture of Mm. the head of the high school cheerleaders coming up and like offering you 
a joint and just say no, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then there's the football, the star quarterback, you know, just offering you a joint, just say no. <laughs> and then there's the band guy coming up and he goes, here's the thing, because the copy on this is brilliant. But what those videos are really saying subconsciously is that everybody in your school is doing drugs, but you. All the cool people. Yeah, all the cool yeah. people are doing drugs, but you. Yeah. And so as opposed to maybe spinning it, and this is now, this is, this is not in the ad. This is the crap that keeps me up at night, you know, where I'm, I'm thinking like, <laughs> how would I have done that differently? And as opposed to moving it to like, you're, you're your own person and being self-empowering and, and trying to focus on something that can come from within as opposed to you know, uh, saying no to the outside influences. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I, I thought yeah. the brain on drugs ad was probably better. You yeah, know, showing the fried mm-hmm. egg because mm-hmm. you're like, well, I don't mm-hmm. want my head to fry. So I, right. you know, because ultimately it has to be your decision. <laughs> Although it did make me hungry back in the day. (laughs) Right? But I thought about that, Lindsay, because I thought, well, there's so many women that are unintentionally or or intentionally, to your point, because they feel like they got to play the game that was Mm -hmm. the old game, the way that was set up, Mm -hmm. are are focusing too much on on the looks, yeah, and not enough on – the uh, on the meat and potatoes of what they did this artist that started this whole conversation between me and you has a a myriad of talents i want females to hear what you're saying and to and just reevaluate reassess like okay what does my feed look like what am i selling here not that you shouldn't be looking good but but is there plenty of talent on there is there plenty Mm -hmm. of of other parts of your personality that are a part of who you are of your authenticity that make this work And it's playing the long game too. It's kind of low hanging fruit to go after sketchy dudes, eyeballs, you know, that's like, okay. And it devalues the work that she has done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because like you said, she's put a lot of time and energy. Yeah. Into building this career. And if you're just focusing on TNA, then it devalues the fact that you've put a lot of time and energy into being a really solid performer and an, and an excellent artist. Yeah. It, it, detra- it detracts from the actual work that you've done as a person. And Brent, also to your point, here's the deal. We all age. Mm-hmm. We are not always going to be 22 year old, beautiful, tight little things. And if that is what we are leading with, there is no longevity in that. You know, I was just trying to do a quick inventory in my mind of like, okay, how many of like those pop singers and stuff that were the sex kittens and that's kind of, was the big part of their brand. How many of them stuck around into their forties and are still exactly relevant versus people that are still relevant. That's so, yeah. were the, the voice or were built on different things. Like in the country world, it's a little different than the pop world, but like Reba, Reba's still kicking it, but she was never based mm-hmm. on the visuals. You know, that yeah. was never yep. what she was selling. And she's still it's a great example. And, doing great. and somehow Dolly managed to combine both. She did. She's so Dolly? freaking smart. Yeah. Yeah. For one so thing, the music brilliant. was the oh. music was but here's the thing about killer. Dolly. It's who she is, though. Yes. Yeah. The she was the girl that was like, I grew up watching. Well, it was funny that you mentioned it because I was gonna say, like, the only way to the point of longevity, like the only way you stick around 
long after stuff has gone south and you've started to age is if you pull a dolly. But the reality is, is it works for dolly because that's who she is. Mm -hmm. She was the little girl that looked at the prostitutes in Sevierville growing up and thought, I want to look like them because they look pretty. Like that was her psychology. And she owns really hard her plastic surgery. She owns it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, You know, she makes jokes about her plastic surgeon all the time. And that's not most women. You know what I mean? So like we either have to go in that direction and disconnect from who we really are. Or it just doesn't work. Like you were saying earlier, Brent, like you just fed her out into obscurity. Mm. She's irreverent in that totally. regard and super courageous. I mean, yeah, she's, she'll be like, oh, you have no idea how much it costs to look like this at my age. You know, it's so exactly. It, yeah. you said, it takes yeah. a lot of I've money. I joke about like. It takes a lot of money to look this cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah that was exactly. the exact quote. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's what I wanted to get out of this was just, and there's different clever ways of doing this. You know, it's one thing to talk about what we're talking about, but I like to throw out just different ideas on thinking about, okay, how do you sort of put something else first? Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. what, how do you, like, how can you do it? You know, I think in evaluate, like, what do you tell your artists and tell some of the artists that you work with, Lindsay, like what are some of the things that you do when they come in and you've got to reassess stuff, maybe retool the strategy a little bit? What are some of the the, the normal questions that you get or some of the normal things that, you know, step one, step two, step three is almost with everybody that comes in, this is what we got to do. Like go down that road a little bit if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. I feel like for most women, they come in with some baggage from what they've seen and, and they're still kind of taking their cues from the traditional music industry is, is doing. They're often, like we said earlier, a little bit disconnected from themselves and across the board because this is still, like we've said before, Johnny, like this is the Wild West, this digital space. People are still yeah. figuring out how to do this and artists aren't looking into the world of online entrepreneurship to take their cues. They're looking still at the traditional music industry. And so they don't really understand how to effectively communicate their value in the digital space. And they don't fully understand how their business functions in the digital space. So for me, it's a lot of education on the front end of just helping them look at the realities of how a fan interacts with them first. This is not 25 years ago where or a fan interacts with music first because they're giving the, they're being delivered music via the radio. So they're mm-hmm. only having this auditory experience. They're having a visual experience first because they're usually interacting with them via social media. So when a potential new fan lands on someone's feed or on a video or something like that, they're, they're sizing them up, whether the, the fan is aware of it or not, they're sizing them up in a, a matter of a few quick seconds on whether or not they resonate with this person before they might ever even give the music a chance. Yeah. And so what I help walk my artists through is really understanding, hey, people really want to know who you are more than they want the music in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And you have a few seconds worth of time to capture somebody and people are bombarded by images. They're bombarded by marketing messages and time is our most valuable resource. We can always make more money. We can't make more time. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to take up someone's time via 
a few minutes of them watching your video or an email that they're going to spend a few minutes reading, it needs to add value to their lives. It needs to move them. It needs to be something that is compelling to them. And the only way that any of us as artists can rise above the noise, because there's so much more choice in music now more than ever, and, and so in, in order for us to be able to set ourselves apart and rise above the noise is for us to be more connected to who we are as people and what we bring to the table as who we are, as our highest selves in the world. And I'll say to my artists often, I'll say, look, at the end of the day, you're probably not going to be on your deathbed to like just be a little macabre for a minute. You're not going to be on your deathbed going, damn, I wish I would have sung more songs you're going to be saying, damn, I wish I would have moved more people. I wish I would have touched more lives with my art. So that, you know, it doesn't create this like followers mentality where you're just collecting followers. It's how deeply am I moving the ones that I do have? And the only way you can do that is if you know who you are and what value you add to the world. And so I'll have two beautiful blonde country singers that when I ask them, hey, why are you doing this? They'll tell me kind of maybe the same answer but I've never heard artists say it in the exact same words. Every artist has a different way of explaining and, and communicating how they show up in the world through their music and their art and as their highest selves. So what I see is that, especially for artists, because artists aren't just musicians, you know, they are typically highly creative people with lots of different, you know, ideas and, you know, they, they can, they're usually multi-talented and can do lots of different things. And what that helps them to focus in is understanding, like, I'm the artist that maybe, like, I've got, a, I've got a client here in Nashville who runs, like, the top burlesque review in town. She's amazing. And we've walked through this whole process of, like, who are you and what is your message? And who do you, what? Is it Cooper? Yeah, it's Cooper. It's amazing. You know Cooper? She's awesome. Uh, uh, yeah, I've met her a, a couple of different times. And yeah. Yeah, I got I got I got a couple of things I'm gonna talk about after the podcast. <laughs> she's unbelievable though. She's unbelievable. Yeah, she's incredible. She's yeah. incredible. For her, it's like, okay, who do you want to impact with your music? Those are kind of the three questions I walk an artist through. Who are you? What is your message? And who do you want to impact with your music? And for her, she shows up in the world as her highest self, as someone who is pushing back old paradigms, as someone who's breaking down, you know, mental and societal chains. And so that appeals largely to women who have been in unsavory situations, homosexual males. You know what I mean? Like she has a very specific super fan group. And when we can start to really crystallize and focus in on who you are, how you serve the world, just by virtue of who you are in the value that you have as a human being, that infuses the music, that infuses the art, that determines what marketing platforms you appear on, who you're speaking to, how you're speaking to them, what streams of revenue make sense for your business. And then the whole business plan comes into focus. But we can't be effective at the beginning if we're disconnected and we're taking our cues from an industry that's only about the bottom line. You know, because they're yeah. making their, they're, they're forcing the artist to contort into something that will work to generate revenue, which is not inherently evil, but it doesn't work for the vast majority of artists. And I think personally, it's just highly unfair. There's a lot of amazing music that's out there that deserves to have the light of day if they just understand how to uh, communicate their value and find their super fans. 
This is what I love about the digital space because you don't need anybody's permission now. That's right. Yeah. And therefore, you can't complain about often. Yeah. And you can't complain about, well, it's real hard and we just, you know, but no, no, that's the blessing of it. Mm -hmm. Like you, Mm -hmm. you can go and be a Cody Johnson and sell Mm -hmm. out 75,000 seats at the Allegiance Center in Houston as an indie Mm -hmm. artist. And you can tell the president of the record label who wants to sign you exactly how it's going to look. Or, or yep. you don't have to sign exactly. it. I don't care. Well, and that's especially important to females is having that kind of leverage walking into a meeting oh, with yeah. a label, yeah. if that is the route that you want to go. Because here's the thing, like there's a dynamic when it's a 22-year-old woman that has no experience in business or even really in life because she's just young and she's sitting across the table from a bunch of middle-aged white men in suits and they're holding a, you know, a six-figure record contract in front of her face. And they're asking her to sign away her life, essentially. I mean, what do you think she's going to choose? She doesn't know any better yet. It's, it's, that's a yeah. really difficult situation for young women to be in, especially when they're going, your, your dreams are on the line and a bunch of cash, you know, that <laughs> yeah. really yeah. is alone. But cash we'll get some other time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, to be able to empower a woman, and it's true for men too, but just specifically for women to have that kind of power walking into those situations is so, so incredible. So, so for it's somebody who's, who's, let's say, not Cooper, for somebody who's not as far along in their artistic journey as Cooper is, she really knows who she is, yeah. what she's doing, how to do it. She knows how to make the donuts, how to perform, everything. She's, she's very, yeah. a, a very well-rounded artist, I think, yeah, emotionally, mentally, uh, talent-wise. She understands the optics and the marketing, all that stuff. But what about mm-hmm. somebody who's not quite there yet? I mean, one of the things I love is certainly Billie Eilish these days because She's, you know, 17 and she's very intentionally decided and and publicly stated, I'm just, I'm not ready to like sexualize my body yet as far as the optics are concerned. So I'm going this route and you see her and like, it's some crazy outfit that's, that's uh, big and baggy and like nobody knows what her butt looks like you know what I mean? <laughs> right. or, or she's got boobs yeah. I mean we don't know you know but it's like a Louis Vuitton Although thing so it's like <laughs> trending on Twitter at one point did you see that no like, like what does her butt Billie look Eilish's like boobs oh okay. no it was I think it's a hashtag Billy Eilish's boobs was trending on Twitter at one point Oh, well, because God. there was one picture that came out that where they were kind of, you could kind of see that she had some and you were like, oh, my Atlanta, they're probably spectacular, right? God bless her. Like, <laughs> <laughs> There's somebody that even in the major label system who did it her way, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, that, that story, you know, we created that record, her and her brother Phineas in their bedroom yep. and, and then said, no, this is what we're going to do. And I think that just speaks volumes to, it's amazing that somebody that's 17 years old has that kind of fortitude and oh yeah, uh, the balls, <laughs> forgive me, but to say, yep. well, this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. So how do you approach an artist that, you know, maybe has all the talent that somebody like Cooper has, but they haven't figured out the things that Cooper's figured out yet. So how do you help them? Like, what, is there a list? Is there like a, is, is there a mental sort of check down that you do on, you know, like on any football play, the quarterback, check one, check mm-hmm. two, check three, who's open? Like, where are we at? Mm-hmm. Where, what, where's the meat and potatoes of who you are? And how do we exploit that, right? And, and exploit yep. Yep. in a good way. Totally. Let's put I always that say like, forth. how do we mine the gems? You know, how do we mine the diamonds in the mountain of who you are as a person? For me, it starts with sitting down and hearing the artist's story. Because 
even as a songwriter and Brent, I'm sure that you can speak to this. Mm-hmm. Even if you're a songwriter that is writing for other people, you cannot disconnect your, your life experiences from the way that it infuses and informs how you create art. Yeah. And our, on our best can't. days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because part of your art is who you are. Right. Your life experiences, the things that you've overcome, the things that you find funny, the things that have made you sad, the things that you've had victory over, all of those things inform how you'd create your art. And so most artists are not really connected to that reality. Mm -hmm. And so sitting down and having an artist share their story with me on the front end and just hearing like, and I, it's funny because often I'll say, tell me your story. And they'll go, well, I started playing piano when I was three. And, you know, they give me kind of like their resume and I'm like, no, 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 no. Tell me the story of you. Share with me your life. And what it does is it really helps an artist connect a to themselves, but connect to the things that they've experienced in their life. Even if they're young, even if they're 16, I worked with a really amazing artist. Her band's called Grennan. And she is out of New England. So we started working together when she was 15. And it was funny because her mom was on the phone and her mom's great. She's like not the momager, but she's very <laughs> supportive and, and does a lot with her daughter and, and the band. But her daughter started talking about, or, or Casey, her name's Casey. She started talking about some, some kind of like ancillary things. And her mom stopped in the middle of the conversation. This is our first conversation. She goes, listen, if you want this to work, you got to tell her what she's asking. <laughs> she was like, tell yeah. her the truth. She doesn't want fluff. And so she proceeded to talk to me about, and at the time she was like telling me about this eighth grade love heartbreak thing that happened in eighth grade, how she lost a bunch of friends over it. And then she went through a a serious period of bullying. That was her story. And it was relevant and it was valuable even as a 15 year old. What, one of the things that she champions is mental health and anti-bullying And so is that going to be what she's championing at 35? Maybe not. But right now that's what's real for her. And that's the only way she's going to connect because that's what's real for her. And that's what she's living or has lived and has developed some mastery over. And so we were able to come up with a lot of different ideas on how she was able to communicate effectively to her fans and build things into her business that were going to speak to other kids that were like that because that was a lot of the content of the of the music that she was writing too mm-hmm. i think her forthcoming project is called mental health <laughs> you know <laughs> you so she's talking about those themes and that is the narrative and that's kind of the ongoing conversation that she's having with her fan base in this season and it works because she's connected to it if someone was sitting her down telling her okay well you have purple hair now So we're going to kind of do like this Billie Eilish thing with you and talk about things that are totally irrelevant to who she is as a person. Like she's not going to wake up motivated to continue to do this. And now Mm -hmm. that we're in the digital space and we don't have a team of people pulling the strings on our career and we have to be the one every day waking up and pulling the strings, you better believe we better be motivated to do it or else we're not going to have a career. And in my experience and watching my artists is like, if they're not intimately connected to their story and how they're showing up for their fans because they're starting to realize that, oh, wow, like I'm not moving my fans just because they like my music. I'm moving them because I'm giving them a message of hope or a message of like, hey, come and just like forget about your troubles and let's party for an hour together or life is meant to be fun or you matter or mental health is important or whatever that is for the individual artist. 
they're not connected into that, they're not going to be motivated to do the work. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's, I mean, it's it all comes down to service. Being an entrepreneur. Yeah, it comes down to totally service. If you figure it's out- a massive human service being mm-hmm. an artist to the world. Because that's what I was thinking before you, before you got to that point was like, yeah, they're going to, they got to care about what they're doing. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they're not going to be motivated to do this really uphill nope. climb that we're all doing. I and mean, like with what I'm doing now with like songwriting pro and the climb and stuff, man, I put in a lot of hours this week doing that stuff. Oh, God, and think yeah. like I got some writing mm-hmm. in too, but it's like, I was just thinking about going, you know, I've had day gigs before and I work harder at this, but I'm happier about it mm-hmm. because it fits into my oh, why. Yeah. It fits into my why. Yes. So it's a lot easier. I'm not having to be like, Oh I'm God, like you know, chilled. sometimes you get tired, but it's like, no one's, no one's looking over my shoulder. I don't have to fill out a time card for my boss about what I did today, but I'm busting yep. my butt. It's a different kind of tired at that point, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, I, it may wear me out, but I never get tired of it. Yep. You know? That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. I'm a writer. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, Lindsay, thanks so much for, for taking the time to come on the podcast and talk about this. I, I really I hope climbers feel it's as valuable as, 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 as I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. You know. Where can some females reach out to you and talk to you, connect with you? I offer free strategy sessions. So if people are interested in learning a little bit more about what I do or how we might be able to work together, you can book in a free strategy call. It's just strategysessions.lindsaykirkendall.com. Or the other easiest way to find me is on Instagram. I'm just at Lindsay Kirkendall. Okay, you how do you spell, spell Kirk? Lindsay with an E. Kirkendall. Yes. <laughs> it's Lindsay, Lindsay with an E. So L I N D S E Y. And okay. Kirkendall is like the way it sounds, K-I-R-K-E-N-D-A-L-L, Kirk and all. K-I-R-K-E-N-D-A-L-L. All right. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode. If you uh, haven't done the Climb community, please do so. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you consume your podcasts. Take five seconds. All right. 25 seconds. Leave a rating and review because we're trying to get to 200 as quickly as we can. And uh, tell somebody about it. If you know somebody that could, that this episode gave you the feels, maybe, you know, an artist, a singer, a songwriter, somebody else, you can uh, pass it on to them. It'll make you look cool. That's the best way to to honor us is just to, to tell somebody else about it, let them know how you feel about it and that they're really going to take it more seriously at that point. This uh, podcast exists because we want you to win, guys, so keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.